0: It's your favorite podcast, Almost Holy, where if you feel close or far from Jesus, trust and believe we are all in need of him with your host, Victoria Faith. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Almost Holy. I am extra excited for this episode today because I'm joined with two of my friends who actually are going to take over the podcast today and share, share their stories and really be able to touch a different audience that I'm not able to on a weekly basis. And so without further ado, I'll allow them to introduce themselves and the topic.
1: What's good? Almost holy. It's good, everybody. Uh, so my name is Israel. Some of you may know me if you've listened to uh, past episodes and past seasons. Um, if you haven't, go back and listen to that after you listen to this. Uh, but my name is Israel. Uh, good friend of Victoria's. Um, Twenty-three years old, uh, and I and I work in marketing, I guess, <laughs> professionally. Um, but just a little bit about my church background. Uh, I grew up in the church. I'm a pastor's kid. Uh, my, my parents are, are pastors for an Assemblies of God Church. Uh, grew up in the faith. Um, was very active in it. Was baptized around 11 or 12. I don't remember exactly what age, but very active in the faith uh, at a young age, around 17 years old. I ended up leaving the faith after kind of a while of just wrestling with a lot of uh, Different things I was I was hearing and and not really being able to make sense of the faith in my own life, uh, and about four years later ended up ended up coming back. So uh, now I'm I'm here on this podcast once again, um, serving God faithfully, loving loving God or trying to as as good as I can, uh, still making mistakes along the way. But uh, yeah, that's that's a big little bit about me. So uh, we have somebody new on the podcast today that hasn't been here before. So I'm a, I'm gonna give it over to you to to introduce yourself.
2: Hey, what's up, everybody? Thank you, Israel. Um, My name is Josh. I am newly friends with Victoria, but she's amazing, as a lot of you guys know. Um, I'm from New Rochelle, New York, but I went to school in Boston, and now I live in Long Island. So I bounced around New York a bit, Um, but I'm currently in Long Island. And professionally, I work in human resources. So I do HR at a charter school. I also do stand-up comedy, so I'm hoping long-term that I can transition to into a full-time comedian. But we'll see how that goes. Um, church background for me would be that my parents are both came over to the U.S. from Congo, and so my family was raised always in a church context. You know, um, we used to have Bible studies when me and my siblings were younger. Um, my father started a Congolese church in the U.S. And then he left that church around the time I was about five to join the Salvation Army. And so the Salvation Army has two years of seminary school, and then you go and preach in your own church. And so all my life I was kind of surrounded by uh church context. I'm the youngest of four. So I'd watch my older siblings and kind of follow their faith journey. And I didn't really have to choose my own faith until I went to college. Um, I felt like up until that point, you know, my parents gave me my religion. Um, in college, I got introduced to lots of different lifestyles, which I'll probably get into later. And I didn't really have to solidify myself into my faith until I was a bit more of a young adult. So, um, yeah, I've always been surrounded by the faith, but I didn't have to make that choice for myself until later into my life. But I'm excited to be here, and I'm excited to be here with Israel as well. Um, you know, I got a song coming out in two days. You might not mention it, but I. Hey, would.
1: Hey, hey, hey.
2: <laughs> <laughs> But whenever this airs, it's dropping.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, it would have been out already. Uh, I was gonna say you should plug your Instagram to the people for uh, you know your comedy stuff, but
2: my Instagram is Josh underscore Diakanwa. Uh, Josh underscore D I A K A N W A
1: uh victoria might be uh, a little upset that we're on here <laughs> giving ourselves shout outs
2: <laughs> i to say i've never done that before but i felt cool doing it like you'll follow yeah. me on instagram you know what i'm saying
1: i think she messed up giving us the podcast
2: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> i should have came on here with a do-rag oh, right somebody. right good morning now but
1: <laughs> uh, anyway so today we have a, a pretty, pretty good topic to talk about. So we won't delay any longer and try to get straight to it. But uh, as you as you hear, we have two, two men on this on this podcast right now. Um, and in our experience, that's kind of a, a rare thing to have kind of men in the faith um, that are open about it and, and active in it. Um, so we're just going to kind of talk about just being a young man in the church um, and what that means for us and and things that we've struggled with. uh, Try to be as open and honest as possible and transparent as possible without getting in trouble (laughs) with anybody. But um, yeah. So I guess the first question, uh, Josh, and you can, you can start it off or I can start it off, whatever it, whatever works uh, is when you started to get serious about your relationship with God was the community of young men, or, how did the community of young men or lack thereof affect your walk with God?
2: Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Um, it's, I really like the question too, because community is so important to the faith. And I've had seasons where I was like, nah, I'm going to just read the Bible and pray by myself in this worldly context and I should be good. But community is extremely important to the faith. And so, Um, I didn't really realize that until fairly recently. Um, Like I mentioned before, I went to college in uh, Massachusetts at a school, and it was a predominantly white uh, college, and so there was a Bible study group there, Um, but I had a hard time connecting to that group, and I was being introduced to so many different ways of living, like you know, I was a person up until college who wasn't really drinking, who wasn't really getting involved in drugs, who wasn't really partying like that because I went to an all boys private school. So I went to college in freshman year. I was like, oh, it's lit! Like <laughs> the girls live on our floor. Like, like it was a lot at once. And, oh, um, you know, there's a stereotype about Pete pastors' kids. Um, for me, that was definitely true. Um, I got there and was just excited by all the different ways people were living and so um, yeah definitely didn't have as much community those first two years, but because I was raised in the faith, and I feel like this is true of most people. Who come up in the church or who had that type of context i always did have conviction when i would be seeing my friends do things my friends also could identify to that like yeah you hear but you not really like that like mm-hmm. so a lot of the uh, masks that i was wearing my freshman and sophomore year weren't really fitting to who i genuinely was as a person and i mentioned the predominantly white institution thing because I felt like the Bible study groups and the resources there didn't really align with the questions that I had as mm-hmm. what it means to be Christian and Black in this world. Because yeah. during that time, you know, there are a lot of murders happening. I saw the, the documentary 13th and I got really jaded for a period of time my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. And so I had so many questions and struggled with finding community as well as my own faith my first two years. Um, I think it was during my junior and senior year that you know, not only did I start to understand that I need to make my faith my own, it can't be my parents' faith, Mm -hmm. um, but also that it doesn't have to look a specific way that'll make sense. I mean, it doesn't have to look like the Black Christian manual will be this, Josh. Like, I can still take things from, you know, the Bible study groups that were available to me at my school, the friendships I have, the family I have back home, and I can find my own church. And so I started to pursue God in an active way for the first time my senior year. And so, you know, there are still ups and downs throughout that period. Um, People might be listening to this and be like, Dave, but she was wild in junior year. What you mean by that? (laughs) But I was looking, I was looking for the Lord. So don't call me out on nothing. Right. Um, Searching. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) On his way,
1: on the road. (laughs)
2: It's a journey. It's about the journey. It's not about the destination. But no, um, I would say after school, I found a really solid church that I could plug into, and it had a community of men, and I was very intentional about it. Like I was like, I need male community, because right now, these decisions I'm making are just on my own, and it's not working out. So I would say once I got plugged into a really great church community out here in New York, <clears throat> I really was able to start building up my faith alongside other men and having resources of how should I approach dating? You know, How should I go about female friends? How should I go about that? Like so many questions that people just aren't gonna talk about in school or in a lot of the different worldly settings that a lot of my friends were into at the time. So I would definitely say plugging into a church community after college, like two years out is when I really found my footing. But for you Israel, I actually have the same question. Um, when did you start getting serious about your relationship with God? You know, and did you have community during that period of time that you could lean on, or did you not have community? What did that look like for you?
1: Yeah, no, and I, I think the you just kind of talking about that journey aspect and how like having a place where you could ask those questions and start talking to people about stuff was so important. And just while you were talking, uh like it's, it's interesting because I and I, I think this is true. So if you're, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, somebody who's listening, but like in the in the beginning of the Bible, right? God's creating everything, right? And he's saying everything is good. And one of the first things that he says isn't good is that it's not good for man to be alone. Um, and I think that's just so like telling of of what it means to follow God, trying to be a uh trying to follow God, especially as a male and in, in wanting community. So for me. Um, and I might have shared this before on a previous episode, but uh, as I said, like, I didn't really get serious about God until around like 21, 20, 21. Um, It was really 22. I, journey. <laughs> I started this journey. journey.
2: It's a journey. It's a journey.
1: Right. So I kind of uh, I was in college for, you know, a couple of years before uh, I ended up getting serious about God. And I kind of started to build community around kind of like Josh was saying, like, you know, the the stereotypes about the pastor's kids and being the wildest. I don't know if I was the wildest. I'll never accept that stereotype. But, you know, I was having a good time, you know, how people do when they get to college. Uh, Like I'm involved in Greek life. So like just the lifestyle that I lived was very much like partying, like you know, you you work hard on the weekdays to party hard on the weekends and um, just drinking, like smoking, that type of stuff. Um, nothing beyond that for me in terms of like substances. But um, yeah, I was just having a good time and, and trying to trying to enjoy life like um, women, things like that, like that, that was, that was me. That was who I was. And when I started trying to get serious about God, and like Josh said, like, having that foundation, you kind of, for me, like, I kind of always knew what I was supposed to be doing. I just wasn't doing it, right? Like I said, like, I grew up in the faith, was very active in it. So it was always something in me that knew, like, yeah, like, this isn't, this is fun and it's cool, but I, I know that it's not right. Mm-hmm. Um, So that always kept me from, like, kind of atta- allowing myself to get attached to the lifestyle. And mm-hmm. I I always made, like, a conscious effort to, like, I don't want to get addicted to this, or, like, I'm going I'm to take a break from this, or I'm going to make sure, like, you know, I, I step away from this for a little bit, just so I felt like I had a little bit of control over it. Um, but as I started to try to, to get into my faith and I had, I had a moment with God where I I really was just like, God, like I don't have it together anymore. Um, like I said, I'm not sure if I've fully shared kind of that part of my testimony, but where like, I just kind of got to a point where I realized like, I don't have it all together. And, Um, although I had a lot of struggles and a lot of questions about God and, and the faith and religion, I realized that like, there was so much truth and so much peace and so much security that I had in it before. It just made me want to pursue it again. Um, so I started, you know, listening to sermons, like listening to Michael Todd's crazy faith and, and just listening to stuff that really opened up my heart and my eyes to who God was again. And it was really difficult because I was now in this position where I knew what what giving my life back to God would come with it would mean letting go of a lot of the things I was doing letting go of the lifestyle that I lived and I realized that I kind of built this like like my social status matters so much to me and like my social life was rooted in these activities that I knew that God would eventually have me give up Um, or just this mentality that I had right that God would eventually make me give up so it was hard and I think for me most of my friends weren't Christians or believers. Um, and I, yeah, most is like, yeah, most of them, most of the people I was hanging out with weren't, or at least not living that lifestyle is it's college. So a lot of people don't, but so when I started wanting to, it, it felt very lonely. And there were a lot of times where like, I would try to, to, you know, not go out, or I would try to like, not sit around and like, talk about, women and whatever, like, or I would try to not like drink like that, you know. But the pressure was like, you know, it's either I'm gonna be alone or I'm gonna just, you know, figure this out another day and and get it right with God tomorrow. Right. So I chose get it right with God tomorrow for about a year and a half. <laughs> um but so I I it was a struggle for me because I didn't have that community. And it wasn't really until Um, and although I had, I was pursuing God, like I was reading the word, like I got to a point where I was reading the word. We started this Bible study, uh, this current Bible study that Josh and I are in with Victoria. but at first, uh, I was the only male in it. So for a while it was, I had people I could talk to about God. I had people I could talk to about Jesus, but it just didn't not having that, that male community made me just kind of never really feel like I had people I could really rely on that I could really connect with on like the struggles of being in the faith and what it means to be a a young man in the faith. And it wasn't until I moved back home after school and uh, was really got closer with uh, my older brother uh, Mm -hmm. who was very active in the church. Uh, He pastors at the church now. And it wasn't until we really started talking and I felt like I could be honest and open with him that I felt like I started seeing a lot of those changes that I had been hoping for, for a really long time in my life. Um, so I guess community for me, like huge and it's, it's so important. Right. And it's for a while, it's funny too. Cause I, after coming back to God, I did not want to call myself a Christian, right? Like I wanted to like, I felt like Christians had this, I had this idea of what a Christian was that I think a lot of people do. It's judgmental, it's hypocritical, it's white, it's unseasoned right like there's this idea that we have about christianity in
2: America. <laughs> not unseasoned
1: <laughs> but but for real though but for real though i am keep i'm keeping it in a buck this is you know oh authenticity but and i didn't want to associate myself with that because as i started reading the word and i started praying i started seeing jesus as like no like jesus is nothing like the way that i think of christianity so i'm a follower of jesus i'm not a christian Um, but a lot of that was rooted in this, like not wanting to other myself or not wanting to feel separated from all of the people I was already connected with. Um, and it wasn't until like getting around those people, um, that I felt like I started people who were also pursuing God that I felt like I could actually start growing in the faith. So I didn't start going to church just because like, it's something I was supposed to do. It was because like, once I started going to church I realized how why God says it's so important to to go to church right like you are surrounding yourself with people who also want to go the same direction as you so your conversations are different you can ask those questions you now have support when you're going places and and struggling with temptations or struggling with p- people from the past coming up or whatever right like that community is so important so I kind of it's an all roundabout way to say community. Has definitely affected my walk with God um, in terms of making everything that God has been putting on my heart to do and to be a reality. And having men in my life who have encouraged me to move forward and who've encouraged me to be better has been amazing for me. So
2: no, that's that's really good. That's that's an amazing answer, actually. I feel like (laughs) (laughs) I want to redo my verse. Like I feel like (laughs) Kendrick the control verse, and then Kendrick sent it back and he was like, Now I got to read you my verse. I got to read you my verse. (laughs) You touched on a lot of really good things there. You know, I really resonated deeply with you saying how a lot of this walk is very lonely as a man, when you're in the school context and you figure out that like, okay, I want to do this thing that's radically different than what all my friends are doing. You know, to some extent, we've all bonded over the dysfunctional things we like to do together. And so, you know, I found, too, I remember reaching that point of thinking, like, either I'm just going to be very lonely in this walk, or I'm going to other myself or separate myself from the community. And so I really do um, resonate with that and the importance, too, of, like, finding community, because so much of the growing that happens is when you have people and peers you can turn to your left and right and ask things about. So I really resonated deeply with that. There was something else you said that I was like, yes, literally that, but I'll probably remember in a minute. I. But um, yeah. yeah, oh, no, no, no. Here it is. Here it is. You said something, too, about um, really the image that you were putting out there and the feeling of the need for status um, yeah. need for being seen in a certain way, the need for validation. For me, I had those same struggles throughout um, college. For me, I would search, through valid- search for validation through relationship a lot of the time. So mm-hmm. I was making a lot of poor choices surrounding who I connected with, you know, who I would date the things I'll get involved in. And a lot of it I realized during my senior year was me just kind of trying to sell this hyper masculine image of, oh, that's Josh. He go to the gym and he go to church. He cool with the white kids and he cool with the black kids. Like I really <laughs> worked hard to like create this version of me. And so it was only until like my senior year when I started to realize like I really got to deconstruct this because I get really anxious when the version of me that I'm trying to persuade people about is challenged or torn down or like questioned. And so it wasn't even till I feel like after college that I really was able to start deconstructing that version of myself because I was so inundated by the community of the people I was surrounded by. And so took leaving, new, leaving mass to some extent, coming back home to New York, similar to what you were describing of being back home and having your family to some extent as a home base in a community of like, these are the things we instilled in you, like a reminder, like you don't gotta be here every night. Like you can choose what you do with your weekends. And so, so much of what you were saying, like I saw myself in the black wow, like the status coming back home and the importance of really having people that are going in the same direction as you, because yes, we're not all gonna get it right, but it feels a lot better when we know we're on the same team in this. And so yeah, um, yeah I really did love your answer.
1: Yeah, no. And I, I think what you're saying is a great segue into the next question, which is kind of about like toxic masculinity and like what what the the world tells us about what it means to be masculine versus what the, the word tells us about to, what it means to be masculine. But just real quick, based off what you were saying, like and I think just talking about coming home and like having people who are like, you yeah, know, you don't have to live that way. I like realize how blessed I am. I grew up in a home where my my dad is like somebody who truly like seeks God and truly follows God and who he is and how he lives and the values that he has they're rooted in the word but I don't I'm not presented that in the media I'm not presented that at school I'm not presented that by anything right but everything in the world is telling me I need to be this way I need to act this way and the only thing one of the only things, and it's funny too, and I was going to talk about this a little bit later, but as we talk talk a little bit more about relationships and all of that, but like the way that my dad treats my mom has always been an example for me. And it was when I got into a relationship and I found myself at a point where I was treating my girlfriend, not in the best way that I was like, no, like there is better. Um, so just that example portion, I think is just so important. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Of like having that at home and for the people who don't like finding that example, one in Christ, but also finding those people who are examples of what it means to be a man spiritually (laughs) and according to the word is so important for that, because when you start going into the world and you start living life how you do, you will always have somebody to look at and say, this is this is what, you know, a true man really is. So, um, yeah. But the question, though, uh, is just Uh, As we know, toxic masculinity is prevalent in our culture uh, and the nature of Christ, which is rooted in the fruits of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience. Right. Those kind of oppose the ideas of masculinity in the world. Um, So I guess two questions kind of one, like what do you feel like is what the world presents as masculinity versus what the word presents as masculinity. And two, how does that affect you and how has that affected you in your walk with God and your relationship with God? And it's funny because we just had a conversation about this last
2: week. So. Yeah. Right. No, it really, um, it's crazy how whenever people list the fruits of the spirit, they're like, love, joy, peace, but nobody says self-control. It's, it's crazy to me that we all just skip over that one.
1: It's really- <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but,
2: but, um, <laughs> I really did like what you said about your dad too. I think that's shaped a lot of my idea of how to be a man. Um, Toxic masculinity is obviously very prevalent. I think I've seen a variety of forms in my all boys prep school context where, you know, we celebrated competition, winning, being tough, being athletic. Like those are the things that are praised. The guy that can go into the locker room and say, yeah, I'm talking to these girls, like the people that Pretty much asserted themselves and were the loudest, were what we celebrated in my like high school context. But I think having a dad who was more so gentle, you know, more so patient and kind, no matter how crazy it got at school, I would go home to that home context. And so um, my dad is a soft spoken leader of our household. And but he also enables my mom to take lead within the home. So Mm. what that looks like is, you know, my mom's making most of the decisions for me and my siblings. Um, She's leading our Bible studies. He's encouraging her to preach at the church they led, which is, I would say, atypical of African men in general, but I don't want to generalize or whatever. Um, But for me, seeing that next to my peers when we were in that African church where the women weren't encouraged to go on and get their bachelor's or speak in front of groups, seeing him encourage her and empower her in that way has always had like a root of how I would become as a man and how I would want to treat my partner. And I didn't really realize that until I got into a relationship, but the toxic masculinity has always been prevalent around me because of my high school context. I think that it started to shape the way I carried myself in college when I kind of saw the different ways you can live your life. And when I saw how status plays a role and when I saw that we have girls on our floor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was wilding. No, I'm saying, I was <laughs> like, um not for a while, at least. Then I'm sorry, but um, yeah, no, I think that um, that root of what I saw as a child of the way my dad was a gentleman, you know, my dad is the type of dude that cleans up the house when my mom leaves on a trip and comes back. Um, he's doing the dishes regularly. And the image of seeing my dad do the dishes was enough to kind of, creating me the idea that there's different ways of being a man like the archetype of masculinity doesn't have to look like, you know, I come home in a suit and tie, drop my suitcase, drink a beer, and watch the game. Like it looks like, no, I'm helping my partner, you know? Oh, another example, small thing, but I just, because of the ways that my dad shaped masculinity and I'm realizing as I'm speaking, but like, um, another thing my dad realized and delegated to my mom was that he's very much not the most financially savvy person. Um, Mm -hmm. Math is not a strong suit, accounting, all of that. I'm very similar to him in that way, too. Uh, Almost failed GB 112 and 212. Bentley people know what that is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But my dad has never really been the type of person that, you know, is financially savvy. And so he pretty much openly delegated that responsibility of, you know, the payments that we were making on the car, our home, the rent and the apartments we lived in growing up, and pretty much just gave her the responsibility and trusted that within her and made it very clear to us that I'm not good at this, but your mother is like, he would say that to me and my siblings. And so that kind of instilled the idea that to be a man, you can share responsibility. To be a man, you don't have to be the loudest. You can be a soft spoken person, you know, to be a man, you can be a person who helps in the kitchen and does domestic activities alongside with your partner. So I think that despite you know seeing and being introduced to a worldly context of what masculinity is you know and what's celebrated by movies and media and culture and even getting lost in that throughout my time in college the seed that my dad implanted of just doing these things and carrying himself were things that i always remembered and had the potential to be and so i think that coming home served as a grand reminder of like oh i can't be coming home while drunk every day. I gotta look my parents in the face in the living room. Like I can't be, you know, smoking all the time and like getting smacked. Like I gotta look these authority figures in the face and kind of hold myself to that standard. And so I think that that um, really did largely shape the ways that I um, saw what it meant to be a man. And it created a contrast, but um, it gave me permission to be uh, you know, happy-go-lucky, soft-spoken, gentle person that doesn't yeah. always need to be the loudest in the room or the most assertive or always know what to do next. Like, I can delegate responsibility well. And yeah. uh, I was going to tie into relationship, but I think we're going to get into that
1: next. Yeah. Oh. No, and I, I did want to comment on some of the stuff that you said, though, because I thought that was, some of it was so good. And, and I know you led our Bible study last week, and we talked about leadership right as it relates to like the scriptures and as uh versus what we see in the real world and I think so much of that is so true and I think you know like people always talk about the man is supposed to be the leader of the household we're not here to discuss that um if that's not something that you believe in but um there's this idea and I think this is why Jesus is so so cold but there's this idea in the world of like to be a leader that means being the best at everything and commanding people on what to do like it means like being the strongest it means being the the most I don't know the most good looking it means being dominant it means like in the world right what it means to be a, a the the man's man is you know you get the most girls you've got the most money right like you got the nicest nicest cars nicest mm-hmm. nicest clothes right It's all about dominance and like being the best. And I think just as you were talking about your dad and how like he like let your mom lead in so many ways. I think one thing that we forget is like, and what Jesus showed is to be a true leader, you become a servant, right? Mm -hmm. And like to be a true leader, you humble yourself and recognize where your strengths are and where your weaknesses are. And you help and allow the people that you're leading to lead in the areas that they're best in, like yeah. a true leader recognizes a true leader leads from behind, not from the front,
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: And like these are concepts that Jesus constantly talked about, um, but it's so countercultural because we think if we're a leader, we have to be the face, we have to be in front, we have to be the one that that everybody's looking at. And mm-hmm. I think it's the same thing for for being a man, right? Like that's what we think it means to be a man or to be a, a man's man, <laughs> I guess. Um, but yes, for me, in terms of like masculinity as it relates to the to the word and as it relates to the scriptures, I think a lot of what you said uh, resonated with me, too. But just in, in a lot of what I just said, too, of just like being a, trying to be dominant and trying to be the strongest and trying to have the most money and that being what being a man is about versus Jesus tells us like being a man is about loving people and turning the other cheek. What? (laughs) Like no? Like I was, I was told from when I I learned in school, you know, somebody look at you wrong, like you, you swing first. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you have to be ready to box at all times. But Jesus tells us to to allow people to to speak ill of us, to allow people to talk crazy about us, Um, and that just is so like it almost like doesn't register, you know? Like to to hear as a man when somebody talks crazy about you, you're supposed to bless them. Like love them, you're supposed to like forgive them. Like, no, like I'm supposed to tell them run they once, you know, like that's <laughs> right, right.
2: Sorry. Um, but yeah, so
1: <laughs> so I, I've definitely wrestled and struggled with that, especially as it relates to my relationships with my uh friends who aren't of the faith. There's these, like there's this uh this trend or these shirts. I don't know if you've seen them before. Uh, that people wear, it says like saved, not soft. I don't know if you've seen those before. There's, there's these shirts people wear, it says, say, save, not soft. And I think, um, what I think about those shirts is another thing, but like, I I think that's the mentality when you're around people who, who aren't saved. Right. And they're living by these, this code of like, to earn respect from them, you have to like fight back. Right. Like that's how you earn respect. You get in this kind of tough place where you feel like, I want to show the character of Jesus, but I also want people to respect me and you can easily get, get trapped in this. Like, well, I can't be, I can't minister to people if they don't respect me. Like I have to, if I'm going to show them who Jesus is, like I need to be respected too. But then also knowing that like what Jesus tells us to do is like not fight back. It becomes really hard to, to balance that. And I think I've struggled a lot with finding that balance between wanting people to respect me and wanting people to not look at me like I'm somebody they can just like say whatever to or whatever, but also trying to, to be more like Christ. And the more I've grown in my faith, the more I've learned is there's not really a sweet spot there. You kind of have to choose, right? Like what you're going to be and what you're going to do and let, let God do the rest. Um, so that's, that's a way that I have personally struggled, um, with kind of that, that masculinity, toxic masculinity culture whether it's toxic or whatever, but yeah.
2: Yeah, no, that's really good. That's, and I really liked how you led with and constantly weaved in the fact that, you know, we are called to be servant leaders and, you know, Jesus was the first person to serve on the group. And so, you know, he would demonstrate that in things like washing the disciples' feet, you know, being a person who is quick to host and quick to love others. And so I don't think oftentimes, you know, we have the visual image of like, yo, this dude got on the floor and washed his bro's feet. Like I got a lot of friends that I'm not dapping up a certain way. So to look at it that way and see what the idea of what it means to, you know, truly put yourself second and serve um, is important in a leadership context, in a masculine context, but also relationally too, you know, if you're with a partner or, you know, in a romantic relationship. And so I wanted to, uh, one thing that I'm sure that during our time talking, people are going to want to know about is about romantic relationships. You know, what does all this of masculinity mean in the sense of who you're dating, who you're talking to, and what does that mean to be Christian, masculine, and in the world where sex is celebrated and sex is everywhere, what does that mean for you? You know, going off of what toxic masculinity says, uh, the more sex you have, the more women like you. What? I don't know. <laughs> that's what it is, though. That's I mean, that's what we're saying in talking masculinity. And so um, what are your thoughts on the way that the world pushes, you know, relationship and how we interact with women? And what does that mean for you as a Christian man?
1: Yeah, man, we might need a whole episode <laughs> to talk about that, to talk about like just sex. But because there's so much that I could say about it. Mm-hmm. Um I guess I'll just talk about my own testimony and like my own struggles with it. Uh, and let the listeners kind of see themselves in it if they do. Um, so for me, I was somebody, like I said, like very raised in the church. Like my family is is very, very uh, devoted to God. And um, I was somebody who like, you know, I was didn't hadn't had sex or anything when I was like 13, 14, right? So this is the time when like everybody's starting to, you know do the do the thing and, and at least around me in school and stuff. And I hung out with kind of everybody. So I'm around the people who are wild and not in class, but I'm also around people who all they do is school. So um I kind of got started to get introduced to things like porn and and things like that um at that at that younger age. And I think originally when when I started getting into it, started getting into porn, um I was at a point where I wanted to fit in and I wanted to feel like I could talk about the things that other people talked about. And I wanted to feel like, because the people who were the men that, you know, the guys that all the girls like, like that's the stuff they were doing. And I wanted to be like that. So, uh, I, I started looking at it and, uh, from there started like, a, what's been ever since a lifelong journey of like, struggling with it and and trying to stop and then falling back into it and then trying to stop and then stopping for a little bit and not knowing how to and uh like not liking myself for doing it right like there's, there's it's been a big thing and i think that has been the biggest like mm-hmm. uh detriment to me in terms of kind of a- adopting this toxic masculinity thing this like i'm supposed to dominate i'm supposed to like all the girls are supposed to like me. Like I'm supposed to like take control at all times and be able to sleep with whoever I want to sleep with, whatever. Um, so I guess I didn't expect to get this, you know, (laughs) get this transparent on here, but, um, you know, as God leads. So I, 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 I struggled with that for a while and looking back now, that period where a time where I thought it was about me not being able to reconcile God from a logical standpoint and not feeling like the evidence was there and, you know, not being, feeling like, you know, what about evolution or, or what about all these questions I had? I, I realized that it was way more about wanting that the sexual desire that was like growing in me, um, and not wanting to feel guilty about it, like just not wanting to feel guilty anymore about doing the things I was doing. Um, so as as we talk about romantic relationships and, and sex, I think a lot of what our culture, I, I do think a lot of what we're taught about it comes from porn. And a lot of guys have this, the ideas that we have about sex come directly from that. But I also think that we, we do talk about like, oh, the, the guy who gets the most girls, like that's the guy that everybody wants to be like. Um, and that's who I wanted to be. So when I got to college, right, and I had the opportunity to, to oh, get in the streets. You was I, in the streets? You was outside? I, I dove into the streets. Oh, and um, I think the craziest thing about it, the most interesting thing about it is like, you'll, we'll sit around and like talk about sex, and we'll like, I think the world hypes sex up as like the best thing in the world, right? and there's some parts of it that have always been like you know that are fun right I'm not going not going to cap and say it's not not fun right the chase fun right the chase is fun the like the moment is fun it's a good time like it feels great but i always after the fact i always felt this like disgust like with myself um i always felt this like like what am i doing right like i always felt this kind of like this, I don't know, like, I can't really describe it. It's just this feeling in my gut that I would usually just ignore, like, oh, this is just how it feels, right, like, the next day, but I usually just ignore it. Um, now, looking back, I see it was completely the Holy Spirit, but um, I I wasn't enjoying it. Like, I, I, yes, I was having fun, and yes, like, it felt good, but, like, I, I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was the way that the world hyped it up, and the way that people made it seem, I didn't feel like it was it was there. It was like something like um, there's a book in the Bible that talks about like uh, how like the world, things of the world are like they call it Hevel, right? Or like smoke, right? It's like it was smoke. It's like it's there. I can see it. But when I try to grab it, it like I can't grab it. Um, So that started that struggle for me. And as I tried to get back into my relationship with God and uh, which was when I was in a relationship with my girlfriend, it was it was really, really difficult for me to get let go of the ideas that I had spent my whole life learning about mm-hmm. what it means to be a man. And when God says, you know, you're not supposed to have sex before you marry, to me, that's almost like saying, like, I'm supposed to become the lamest person in the world, right? Like, that's, that's what it felt like, because sex is about status. Sex is about, like, more girls you got you know the better you are and if you're not having sex at all like who are you as a man so um (laughs) but for real though that's how that's how it felt for me so um for me that started this struggle of constantly wrestling with do I want to serve God or do I want to be recognized do I want to be respected do I want to be like do I want to still be able to be the guy that that people know me as um so many layers to it and I talked about a couple of them Uh, but it's so many layers to it today, like, you know, temptation and that stuff is something I still struggle with, but not nearly in the same way as I did before. And I have like been, you know, really looking to God and trying to serve him with everything I have. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more in a little bit after I give you a chance to, uh, to talk about your experience of just how, kind of how I've unlearned that idea and Mm -hmm. how God has really transformed the way that I thought about sex, but I'll, I'll give it to you now.
2: Yeah, no, that was so good. I see so much. I mean, I think that's what's special about community and why there need to be more spaces of like community amongst men, community amongst women, like together, join community, because I see so much of my story and your story, and I'm sure we're not the only ones that experience a lot of these different feelings and tugging things, struggles with lust and whatnot. Um, For me, similar to as you described, like the gateway for that mentality was porn at an early age in like what freshman year of high school um it's so normalized but it's so dangerous and destructive and we don't feel yeah. like address it enough as a culture but it's like a billion dollar industry so we know why that's not going to get addressed quite right. yet but um yeah for me porn pretty much was my introduction to what sex was in that know i was always curious about it in my school you know i'm around a bunch of dudes all the time i don't really interact or have female friends and i have a sister but she's off doing her own thing and so much of how i first initially understood women to be was just through porn and i think that that idea of you know needing to be a person who can dominate you know in relationship and like i don't know treat people as though they're disposable to some degree Mm -hmm became something that I carried with me into college and became, you know, something that I really had to work intentionally to unlearn after college, if anything, if I'm being honest, you know, I had all this pent up questions. I mean, all these pent up ideals of what, you know, sex and relationship was that came from such a bad place that mm-hmm. I went to college and kind of carried a mentality like of, like I mentioned before, you know, treating women as though they were disposable and, not necessarily seeing people for who they are treating relationship as well as transactional and not being very present in them and Mm -hmm. you know it was I'm probably painting myself to an extreme like I wasn't the devil like I wasn't out here with a knife just killing people but like in my head as you said that and as you described it like a lot of connections were being made of like oh that's how I was so for me what it took to firstly see myself and have a breaking point and see like bro this is how you're this is how you look right now like this is who you're becoming this is how people are perceiving you this is how like for me it was a couple of different breaking points in which you know I would have relationships that kind of fell apart in which you know a person would tell me, you are, this is how you come off to the world. You're not a good person, this, that, and the third. And I would say, well, then just be like, you're just mad right now. Like I wouldn't really internalize the feedback that I would get. Um, It wasn't until facts. I'm trying to think of when I like got it together relationally, (laughs) but I would say, you know, my I'm right now I'm in a relationship and my girlfriend gives me a lot of grace in allowing for me to kind of unlearn a lot of the things that I carried into the relationship. For me, I think a lot of it came together after school, after living in Massachusetts, like we described, coming home and kind of being isolated during that 2020 year, um, 2021 year of the pandemic. And um, I I remember during that period of time, really having a lot of pent up like, oh man, I can't wait to go outside. We're going to be outside this summer. It's going to be crazy. (laughs) We got outside, me and my friends, You know, my friends from high school now um uh, you know we get to engage with the world we get to be in the streets it's my first time really getting to explore that post-college with a salary in new york it's it's new york is i don't know if y'all see new york, but it's a lot of things going on so summer it's 2021 dangerous. and i just kind of my heart's not really in the um transactional aspect of like casual sex like you described kind of this feeling of getting to the chase. The chase is exciting. Ah, I'm about to get a number. Get to the party. Ah, I got a number. Ah, let's go. Your friends are celebrating that. Um, then you get to that place where, you know, you do the deed, you're with the person, whatever. And it was just very unfulfilling, you know, the feeling in your heart afterwards of like, you know, where is this going? Is my heart in this? What does my faith say about this? Because that seed is still in me from like a childhood of being raised in the church and with my parents. And so, you know, so many questions and so much like unfulfillment that I experienced during that, oh, we about to be outside period of time that kind of drove me closer to my faith. But before I had to, before getting to my faith, it got worse before it got better. Like it made me start looking for validation in other things. So I started smoking more. How do I numb this feeling? Mm. How do I pretend it's not there? How do I, you know, I started drinking more, I'm going out more, I'm drinking casually. I'm like trying to escape the fact that I'm feeling spiritually convicted by this unfulfilling way that I was living. And so I think um, it really took being honest in the different areas of my life. Like I described before this idea of creating this character of who I want the world to see me as in college. And I carried a bit of that outside of college too. But it really took me chipping away at it, being vulnerable, having hard conversations, making friendships with women who would be honest with me about how I was coming off you know, making friendships with my cousins, being open to my sister, you know, making strong relationship with Christian women who will tell you, you know, this is what the world might be teaching. This is what that might be teaching, but we are people and, you know, really learning and growing through that process of like that unfulfillment and kind of oscillating back and forth between how I want to be living versus how I'm living now. And so I think it was a combination, you know, of, being intentional about forming strong, honest, intent. I mean, yeah. Being intentional about forming strong, honest relationships, you know, plugging back into a church community, which my girlfriend helped me do in a tremendous fashion of like, we get to church the first Sunday. She's like, we joined the Bible study group. I'm like, what? Um, But um, she's really been a big catalyst in me kind of pursuing God and leaving those coping mechanisms that I would use to ignore the fact that I'm living crazy And really trying to plug into something greater and bigger than myself that's more fulfilling than the things that I was chasing before. So yeah, so much of like what they sell of us, I mean, what they sell us about the chase, social media, the cars, the women, future, and Drake, and every song they've ever made. (laughs) Like so much of the world is like programming for men, like, yeah, this is how you be a man, nigga. Like and it's I don't know if they're at future Drake are ever going to tell us about how lonely and it is. they probably won't. We're not going to get Drake
1: tells us in every song. We just don't listen. Yeah, <laughs> we, we just don't listen. Like,
2: the chorus is just, I'm hurting. I want to die. I don't know. But they're not. <laughs> yeah. We don't get that message. We don't get the other half. We don't get what happens after we don't get like the conviction, the emptiness, you know, so yeah, yeah, I think that's a, a bit of you know my story, but also I'm realizing too just how that's what's celebrated in our culture with you know yeah media, with social media, with everything, not even I not even just social media, but the way we're socialized in classrooms and we could go on about this. I'm trying to not be long-winded, yeah, yeah. We really do love this topic, so
1: yeah, yeah no, and I, I just wanted to I just wanted to add, and I think like it's important that we talk about this right like we're we're not gonna sit here and be people who are like yeah no sex is sex is it sucks it's not even fun like i don't know we need to all stop doing it because waiting till marriage is better right like that's that i would be capping if i said that it, that it was like yeah like i you know what i'm saying like i love waiting right but <laughs>
2: oh no like, it's hard it is it is, <laughs> yeah. it is not easy
1: yes but but <laughs> i think what we what one thing to we we got to make sure we point out is that like the gospel is not about waiting until marriage it's about Jesus right mm-hmm. Thank you thank you thank you I
2: wish <laughs> i had like a soundboard Right,
1: right. uh Don DeMarco no <laughs> I don't know if you watch battle rap Anyway <laughs> <laughs> Oh um, hey, what was I saying, John? You me,
2: dog. <laughs> That's uh, you the bar, you <laughs> crazy. You threw it off the backboard at Windmill, it was the, the gym oh emptied gosh. out.
1: Um Yeah, like the, the gospel is about Jesus. And like I, I think the thing is that like one of the, the hardest things when people hear this, like you're not supposed to have sex until you're married if you're a Christian. And I think that's a big reason why a lot of guys are just like, well, I don't want to be a Christian then, right?
2: Mm, Because
1: before you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, like before you know Jesus, like sex probably is one of the best feelings, right, on this earth, right? Sex is probably one of the best things that you experience on this earth. And Josh and I didn't one day just wake up like, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to stop having sex. Right. And I'm, I'm going to speak for myself, but I think Josh would definitely agree with me in that. Right. It's
0: yeah.
1: as we started to develop our relationship with God and as we started to try to step out on faith, God began to like show us life in, in such a different way. And we started seeing how good God was and how good like when you start to feel that like the purpose, when you start to feel that intimacy with God, when you start to like walk in in the peace and confidence of knowing that like God is with you and he's watching over you, like when you start to see him answer your prayers, when you start to see him like move in your life and, and transform you from the inside out, the feeling of, of being close with God and the feeling of honoring God becomes way more important to you than the few minutes or whatever that you get from like having sex right like the the feeling of being intimate with God becomes way more important and way more uh yeah just just more important to you than than the feeling that comes from sex because as we were talking about like it's just not fulfilling like and I think anybody who's who's in the streets or whatever like that sex is is outside of marriage. I can't speak for what sex inside of marriage is like, I'm not there, but I can say sex outside of marriage is like very unfulfilling, but God's presence is so fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it really starts with developing a relationship with God. And for a while I was trying to have God and sex, right? I was trying to, you know, build my relationship with God, go to church on Sunday, you know, be in the streets on Monday. I was trying to read the Bible and then go party and then, have sex with somebody and then try to come back and pray in the morning, but because of the nature of God, right? Like the, that I, I couldn't do it. Like I felt so convicted after, and I felt so like that I lost that intimate. I felt like I would lose that intimacy when I would wake up in the morning. And after a while of going through that feeling, I ended up just choosing like, no, like I have to follow God. And I still struggle sometimes. Like it's not, it's not a perfect journey. Like mm-hmm. it's hard. But I just wanted to point that out because I don't want to act like sex isn't a, a a fun thing. I'm not going to act like it's not something that doesn't feel good. But it's there's a God that's so much better than sex and so much better than than what sex can bring. And sex itself isn't. Isn't bad, and I also want to talk about that too for a little bit. I know Victoria probably going to be upset because I think we we've been going a little, we <laughs> been going a little long. But um, <laughs> like, I, I think we think about God in in terms of like, okay, God has all these rules for me. God doesn't want me to have fun. God doesn't want me to have a good time. And like, no, like God created sex, right? One of the first commands God gave us is have sex. Like, be fruitful and multiply. Like, enjoy the gift that I'm giving you. Mm -hmm. All he does is want to put a container around it that makes it work, right? He wants to put rules around it that make it beneficial for you and everybody else. Right now, uh, a lot of us are having sex and then dealing with broken hearts. We're having sex and dealing with messed up relationships. We're having sex and dealing with arguments, and toxicity. We're having sex and in, in dealing with a bunch of stuff that STIs, right? We're having sex and dealing with all of these things that God didn't create us to, to experience when we have sex. Um, and this example that I kind of thought of as we were preparing for this uh, podcast is a car was not created so that it could follow speed limits stop at stop signs and stop at traffic lights, right? When you're driving a car, there are rules to the road. Like there are things that you, there's a speed limit. There's a certain thing. You got to turn on your blinker. When you turn, you got to, I don't know, like look out the windows, rear view mirror. When you're backing up, when you switch lanes, you got to look into your mirror. You have to stop at a red light and you stop, or you stop at a stop sign. Like there are rules to the road And I think sometimes we're so focused on the rules and think that the rules are the problem. The rules of the road were not created to stop us from enjoying being in a car. The rules of the road were created so that we could enjoy being in a car and so that we could get to our destination. Mm
2: -hmm. The rules
1: that God has created around sex when it comes to, um, I feel like I'm preaching today. (laughs) You
2: are going crazy right now.
1: The rules that God created as it related to sex is not so that we don't enjoy it. It's so that we do. Because if you started driving around and there were no rules to driving, mm-hmm. we, you would be getting in car accidents and yeah. you would not make it to your destination 90% of the time mm-hmm.
2: that you would hit somebody or somebody would. So you.
1: The point is so that you can drive your car and your car can stay safe and you can get from point A to point B. In the same way, sex is great. It's amazing. It's created by God. The God puts rules around sex so that we can enjoy it without crashing into everything do yeah. doing.
2: Oh my gosh, yo, that is crazy. I feel like Guru in the studio when Jay-Z dropped this verse, just whoo <laughs> really, I love that metaphor. I'm gonna steal it and say it was mine. I might even try and make a joke from it, but that's really, really good. And when you said it, I wasn't sure where you were taking us with it, but you know, the crashing the speed limit, you know, STDs, broken hearts. There's really a strong parallel that you created there. That's really, really, really good. I can't wait for you to start your church. Anywho, <laughs> nah. um, I'm, I'm, I'm in there. It's... I'm a rapper, dog.
1: No, I'm, I'm a rapper. I'm a
2: rapper, but that church is coming. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, we go yeah. freestyle all day. We go freestyle. Uh, oh, yeah. No,
2: I'm excited. Wow. I am so excited. Um, and yeah, I, I just want to second that, that, you know, God did create, you know, sex is a good thing and all things God created are good, but the world perverts those things and does that for people to gain power, money, steal. the world perverts anything, you know, the church is an institution, but it's created by people. And so things created by people can be perverted. Sex is a great thing, but people take it and pervert that thing. And so, you know, the things that God creates, humans, me, you, organizations, faith are meant for our good. But so many of the things that we have available to us are used and abused and that's where pain and heartbreak happen and so that was really good and I'm still reeling from it. Um, <laughs> so some of the things we mentioned, we did mention that we're both on the spiritual journey. You know, we're not at this point where we've arrived. We're not at this place clearly. where
1: you <laughs> clearly
2: down on anybody. We're not at the We talked about it. We are in this race too. We connect on that. We talk about, "Yeah, yo, it's getting hard around mile 5." It's like, "Yeah, bro, I'm struggling at mile 6." Like we're all kind of in this race together as a community. And so, um, what are some of the things that you're learning through the past year? What are some of the things you're learning? through the conversation, but some of the things that you are learning that are helping you to stay on track as a man of faith, to stay on track as a man in your relationship, and just that kind of encourage you, encourage you during this journey. Yeah. Things that you keep you going.
1: Yeah. So I used to uh, be a huge Nipsey Hussle fan. Like that was, that was my guy. And I used to look up to him a lot before I found Jesus and Jesus became the person that I looked up to the most. Right. But one thing I've always pulled from Nip and that I love is just like that concept of the marathon, right? Like Mm. it's a marathon. It is not a sprint. Like it's a, it's a game of endurance. Like you are, you are not going to flip a switch one day. And then now you're holy and you're performing miracles and healing the sick and praying 12 hours a day. Right. Like that, that's not what this Christian life is about. Like it is truly a marathon and like, sometimes it gets tiring and sometimes like you trip and sometimes you don't want to get up but you have to get up and keep going and every time you get up and keep going like God continues to prove to you how faithful he is and he continues to show you why you're going on that path in the first place so I think that's the biggest thing that I've pulled is like it, it's a marathon and so like be kind to yourself like God is giving you grace. Right. Like our faith is not about what we can do or can't do. Right. Like God forgives us when we turn towards him. It's about looking in the direction of God and going towards God. It's not about being where God is. It's not about not having sex or not being a toxic man. Right. It's not about not drinking or not smoking or whatever. It's just about turning towards God and, and every day trying to make a step towards him. So I think that's what I've learned the most and just the importance of having people who are running that race with you so that if you do trip, like they can pick you right back up and be like, come on, let's go, let's keep going. So what about you?
2: That's that's really good, man. I'm I'm being spoken to right now. I'm getting spoken <laughs> today on this call. Um, wow, 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 wow.
1: Shout out to the Holy Spirit.
2: Yeah, yo. Uh he going to he um, but for me. Yeah, a lot of this past year, I would say I'm learning the importance of community, like you touched on, and how we need people to be able to check us, we need mentors, we need people that are running this race with us, Um, you know, and that, similar as you mentioned too, like, this isn't like God is an evil parent looking to discipline us, he just wants a better lifestyle for us as people. The things that, you know, he's asking us to do are to make it better, not worse there is no punishment. Forgiveness is real. And this is the message of love. And so, you know, sex is meant to be in a container so that it can be enjoyed. You know, right. so much perversion exists because we live in a ruleless society where everybody's taking advantage of everybody and there's not a thing or a code that unifies all of us. And so I think that so much of this message of love, because Christianity, you know, in one word would just be a message of love, is meant to make our lives better, not worse. God is not going to smite you or strike you down. God is not out to get you. We're all in this race together. So don't let a pastor tell you that you're not good enough or that he's never sinned. We're all kind of a community. And because we're a community, you know, we can check on each other. We can hold each other accountable. I can reach out to Israel and paint a situation and he can say, nah, you know, you probably were wild like you were doing too much. He can reach out to me. We can reach out to Victoria. You know, community is so important because, you know, this faith journey is not meant to be done alone. And so this year I'm learning that more than ever. And our Bible study group is an example of that. The church I got plugged into, I have men that hold me accountable. And, you know, the more and more you kind of allow yourself to be um, devoted, the more and more you learn and just kind of remain curious about the faith, I feel the more you see God and the more curious you get and the more excited you get, but you kind of have to look for it and buy in and find community and, you know, choose to pursue to get to that place.
1: Yeah, no, you're saying a lot of good stuff. And I think like as even as we talked about uh, the Bible study that we have, right, And, and Josh wasn't a part of it then. But when our Bible study first started, it was not like. I think sometimes it can be intimidating for people to like find Christian community because they feel like, oh, like I can't be around you. Right. Like I you're, you're too, I'm not good enough for you. Right. Mm-hmm. And one, I think that's just a lie. Right. Like, Nobody nobody cares that much about what you're doing, if we're being honest. Like, no, you know, like they people love you, but like, like nobody's nobody's thinking, like, oh, look at this person, they're going you're <laughs> thinning. Like, nobody's nah, they hating
2: on me. My ops is hating on me. My yeah, ops.
1: nobody's nobody's thinking about you. I swear. <laughs> um, but like, I think we also have this idea that we have to like clean ourselves up before we find community or clean ourselves up before we get to church. So, what I was saying is like when we started our Bible study like none of us knew anything about the scriptures. None of us was following God correctly. We just all were like, man, we should, I I need God. I know I need God and I don't know where to start. So we got together and we would have Bible study. We'd be in there cussing up a storm. We'd be in there talking crazy. We'd be in there, we'd read the Bible. We'd talk about stuff as if we had no idea what we were talking about, right? But we would just come together around Jesus and at first we would finish and then we would go party. Right. Cause we would do it on, we would do it on Thursdays, but over time, it's not about us. It's about God. And when you come together around Jesus, like God will do the work of changing you for you. Like don't try to clean yourself up to go to Jesus. Jesus is who is going to clean you up.
2: So mm-hmm. go to
1: Jesus to be cleaned. Don't go. I just, I just got my car detailed last week. And it would be very stupid of me for me to shampoo my carpets and wipe down my dashboards and buff my, buff my car all around and then pull up to the detailer, like do your job. Yep. That's a waste of money <laughs> and time. Like you go to the detailer to get your car cleaned, Same way you go to Jesus to be cleaned up. Um,
2: I'm done. can't. <laughs> okay? That boy on fire today. This the podcast yeah. house in here. This our podcast. Who's Victoria? Not right.
1: Not. Right. all want us every episode, doing
2: a spin-off, you know.
1: That's what I'm not saying. Right. Is that's it isn't Josh? That nah, we need a better name than that, but
2: uh, <laughs> um
1: yeah. So. Yeah, I I think it's a good place to to end um hopefully we didn't go over the time limit (laughs) that we were giving um but I guess what would be your last like concluding thought of like a few sentences of just like what if there's one thing you wanted the listener to walk away with what would
2: you say um you know I would want people to know that um Christianity is a message of love and you don't need to come perfect. You just need to be curious and open to it. Um, community is important. This is, is gonna be mad commas in this sentence. So let me, okay. Christianity is a message of love. Um, God loves you and he just wants better for all people. And you don't have to be perfect to be a part of it. You just have to be willing to seek him. Um, and all of those other things will be added onto you and will happen for you. But you just have to be curious. You don't gotta be perfect. You just have to be willing to seek it and understand that, you know, it's a much more fulfilling way of doing things when you choose to seek it.
1: I like that. I have mm-hmm. nothing to add. I think that was a really good closing message. So um, next, what Victoria always does is do the, the sinner's prayer. So I can lead us in that. Um, so I guess if you're if you're somebody who's like listening and maybe you don't know Jesus or maybe uh you used to you know want to follow God but you kind of chose the streets (laughs) or whatever for whatever reason you're not somebody who's currently following Jesus but but just through listening to this podcast you want to make that decision to to give God a chance again to open up your heart to God again and start getting on that marathon um we're gonna walk through a prayer with you and hopefully I remember how to exactly do it but really what what this moment will be for you is you making the decision to turn away from the way you've been living life. That doesn't mean getting out of it. That doesn't mean changing yourself, but just turn towards God and and figure out what God has to say about you um, and believe in in that Jesus Christ is Lord. So I'm going to walk us through it. Uh, So if you're listening, you can bow your head or close your eyes or whatever's comfortable for you. Uh, But if you could just repeat after me, Dear God, I come to you today a sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins and rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. I turn away from my sins, God, and I turn toward you and I accept the life that you offer me. Uh, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.
2: Amen.
1: Cool. So... uh Thank you for your time, Josh. You know, it's a great conversation. I don't know why I'm <laughs> thinking you like I'm the one who's hosting. The, <laughs> one of us
2: one of really, has to
1: together. This
2: was a great space. This was really fun. Um, thank you for having this conversation with me, Israel. And thank you to Victoria for having the both of us. This yes, is a great y'all. platform. Yeah, I'm about to tune in. <laughs>
1: yeah, y'all need to tune in to every episode of Almost Holy. And if you haven't listened to all of them, go back and listen to all of them. Uh, And I think you'll even see this marathon that we're talking about. So, cool.
0: Thanks again for listening. If you have prayer requests, praise reports, or anything else Almost Holy related, visit us at almostholy.org. God bless.